1: And now, here's your host, Mari.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Aha Moments Radio Show for the inspiration, education, and celebration of enlightened living worldwide. I'm Mari, and happy Tuesday. Today we are talking about a hot topic, as they say, and that topic is actually a question. Can your friends slow down your manifesting? And uh this one came to me as I was driving somewhere who knows where. <laughs> so much I've been doing so much lately. And it hit me, you know, I was thinking about a thinking about friends and friendships and how they shift and change and um and how we I have a tendency to put a whole lot of emphasis and attention on learning how to navigate through romantic types of relationships um, or familial types of relationships but when it comes to friendships it's kind of a free-for-all you know it's it's there's no there's no rules there's no protocol per se it's just kind of rip shot in all directions and I know with women in particular Uh, Men handle their friendships very differently. So I think we're going to be slanted a little bit more towards women. Um, With women in particular, friendships are so important. You know, we really lean into our friends for a myriad of reasons. But they also uh, can get very, very uh, twisted and very, very um, complicated, I should say. So today I wanted to talk about how your friends can actually slow down You're manifesting, and and I think it's really important to keep this in mind because um, there's a a lot of nuances that, you know, you you have to sometimes have your own agenda, and that's okay, and a lot of people feel that it's not. They they have to always be pleasing everyone else. So we're going to get into that in a few minutes. I wanted to go through a couple of announcements. You know, we'll be taking some calls tonight. Um, If you guys have questions, the number to call in is 347- two one five nine four eight five that's three four seven two one five nine four eight five so this week we are still in the tail end of getting winding down mercury and retrograde it ends on Thursday October 9th and uh, so three more days of this <laughs> and then you want to give it about three days before you do anything major but by this time next week, you know, and actually by the end of the week, by Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you'll start to feel lighter. There's just no way you, you won't. There's just this has been a very, very heavy, um, heavy season because we had the equinox, we had the uh, the big eclipse, we had a full moon. There's just been a tremendous amount going on energetically. So if you have been feeling bogged down and, and overwhelmed and exhausted. Um, and you're not putting out a book like me, and you're wondering, like, what what is going on, that all of those atmospheric things can um, really wreak havoc. And there is an angel. um, Her name is Archangel Haniel. It's H-A-N-I-E-L. And if you have been going through um, a lot of upheaval or just feeling really out of sorts or just just flat-out depleted, um, you might want to call on her to sort of support you because she really governs over the moon phases and energy cycles and interplanetary energy cycles and all the effects that those interplanetary changes um, have have on us, on our bodies, on our psyches, and, and whatnot. So on our energetic fields. So if you want, you can you know light a candle and just you know kind of meditate on her or with her and you know communicate however you want. You can journal and um, call on her energy to help you. So that. Ease things up um, on your energy field. So um, again, if you want to call in later, you can uh, to ask a question. Uh, I mean, if you want to call in to ask a question later, I suggest you call it now because we do have quite a few on the line, and Sam will be uh, going through and putting everybody in the queue for me for a little bit later in the show. Number three four seven two one five nine four eight five. Okay, so um, let's let's get into the topic. Uh, for today, um, I, I know I have some other announcements, that I'll wait a little bit later to do that because this is a big one. You know, I was talking to one of my clients yesterday, and um, and she was she like screaming at the topic, like, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is it, this is it! I need this, I need this!" And I, you know, and I think that it when we when it comes to friendships, especially female friendships, it's something that we don't spend a whole lot of time considering. We just sort of you know just sort of plow through them right you know and women we have all kinds of things going on we have our families that we're taking care of we have businesses that we're running we have um you know older family members perhaps that we're taking care of we have career concerns with money concerns and we have a tendency to you know we have our bodies you know our health and all that kind of stuff and we have a tendency to lean into our friends for a whole lot of stuff and i know that i've had you know I've over the years um because I don't have kids, I have a lot of time to think about a lot of different things that a lot of people who are you know who have who have kids and families don't have um, as much time to sort of sit and ponder and contemplate. And also because I do readings and because I do a lot of coaching and mentorship, um, the mentorship program and everything, I have had the privy of seeing a huge number of people, listening to a huge number of people um, talk to me about what they're going through with their their. You know, a zillion different types of problems, but the friendships in particular um, definitely come up. So I I see a much higher concentration of certain tendencies than the average person would, who's not you know in the business of doing doing what I do. And so, and I've actually talked to colleagues well who are in the business, and um and it is a universal thing that you know friendships, especially female friendships, um, they, they need some need needs some thinking about because there's no manual, obviously, and, um, you know, but there are several several categories, you know. So, like, when we're looking at, you know, men and women, you know, friendships, when we're looking at romantic relationships, we're looking at, you know, there's books on them, Mars and Venus, right? The guys are this, the girls are that, and you know, this is how you bring them together. Then there was also that book, there's a really old book now, it's called The Rules, and this is how, you know, the woman should act so the guy will be attracted to her. And, you know, you go into any bookstore, you see the self-help section for relationships, and it's just, you know, packed with people, men included, and everybody's trying to figure it out. They're taking the time to figure it out. But how many people are taking the time to figure out how to navigate their friendship, their their same-sex friendships, you know? And so... Um, this, is, this has been on my mind, especially now, it, it's interesting because we usually have categories of friends, right? You can call in and let me know if you agree with this. You don't have to. But I think we usually have these categories of friends. We have our social friends and the ones that we'll go out and we'll hang out with and, you know, that we kind of keep things kind of light with. And then we have our, what I call um, our familial friends we have business friends right the ones that we do business with the ones that we are you know we have at work perhaps we have and you know of course it's you know there's thousands of different versions of all of this and there's some friends that straddle across all of it you know i've had some of my closest friends start off as work friends and then they've become what i call familial friends those familial friends are the ones that you kind of keep for a lifetime the ones that you you uh you know you can always lean on like as if they were family and you can go through ups and downs and argue and and, um, go through different life changes and even go through long periods of time where you don't even talk to each other but you can kind of pick up as if you were talking every single day we all love those friends you know. they're kind of like our soulmate friends our twin flame friends even Um, and then there's all the other ones (laughs) so the ones that are more seasonal friends, the ones that you know, you might meet somebody at the gym and you go on the elliptical machine together, but you kind of, you know, it's not really the person you want to sit and have dinner with or, you know, maybe they're just they're just somebody that you see around, that kind of a thing. Um, and then you have the ones that um, are kind of in between. So they're not quite familial, but they're intense enough in your life that they're affecting your world. And those are the ones that I wanted to talk about today because this is where, um you know the ones that are familiar we you you know you kind of deal with them, but what about the ones that you're spending a whole lot of time with, but you feel like there's a drag on your energy in some way, shape, or form a lot of times you know friendships are as good as how as your communication your ability to communicate right, so sometimes we have you know we all have that friend, at least in my business because I do readings and because I Um, I have a degree in psychology and I was a counselor before I got my business degrees and and all that. I happen to have a lot of answers for people. I I just do. It's just, I'm the wise one of my friends. I'm not necessarily the one that you're going to go to that, you know, change your tire or, um, (laughs) you know, uh, ask for a new recipe or something like that. But I am the one that everybody comes to for Mari's, you know, advice, you know. So that can get draining because, that's something that because I do it at a, a professional level, because I do it at a very high professional level, um, it's not something that could easily be reciprocated, because they're not doing thousands of readings. You know, they're not don't have psychology degrees and all that. So sometimes it has to be that you have to have a boundary, right? So all of you, I'm sure, have something that your friends come to you with. And it might be, you know, some people are doctors, some people are attorneys, some people are nurses, some people are, um, you know, teachers or uh, accountants and these types of things. And so it, it does, your career can sometimes put pressure on your friendships because your friends want to come to you as a friend for advice, but then there's a line, right? There's a line to how much advice do you give without feeling drained and how much advice do you give without feeling resentful um, or or used under the guise of friendship? So that's, that's one piece. Um, then you have the ones who are competitive, right? And I'm sure, because I was talking to my client yesterday, she's like, oh, yes, oh, yes. You, know? <laughs> you we have the ones that we do a lot of comparing and competing. Now, A lot of people don't even know they're doing comparing and competing. But essentially, and this is what we're going to get to the manifesting part of this in a minute, and this is a great segue into that. When we have um, our friends, we have a certain level, right? There's a certain energy to each friendship that you have. And there's a certain uh, allowance of dissent I'm going to say allowance of dissension, meaning that let's say you have two people and there's certain times that you see one person and they're going to, and they kind of count on each other staying kind of the same, you know, like my friend Joan and I were laughing the other night, because she, she's the intellectual and I'm the intuitive, so you know, we're always, she's, she's super, super smart and I'm super, super intuitive. So she'll say, well, I saw this report and that report and this report. And I'm like, well, my energy says this. you know." And we're always laughing. So one day, she was she went on the intuitive side and I went on the intellectual side. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. you got to get back in your lane. You're not supposed to be the intuitive. I'm the intuitive. You're the intellectual. You know, We were laughing about it because we do. We have kind of standards. You have these kind of um, uh, recipes for each other, right? And we kind of have an expectation of, who's the go-to person for which thing or who how each of our friends processes their world right so it doesn't mean that Joan isn't the you know in a in and I'm not intellectual, but we I process my world way, 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 way more from the energy side, and she does way, way, way more from the intellect. And then, and that's one of the reasons why we're compatible is because we both bring something different to the table. But when we switch up, it's a very interesting com you know <laughs> it could be a very interesting conversation. Sometimes though, when you have that kind of situation where your friend, one of your friends, starts to pull away. Because let's say you both want a new boyfriend, and then somebody gets the new boyfriend. What happens? How many? How many of you have been, you know, abandoned <laughs> because somebody's got a new, new boyfriend, and, um, you know, or girlfriend for that matter, you know, or new friends? You know that I call those the dumpers. You know where they just want you around to keep them company until they go and become get into a codependent relationship with someone else. Because believe me, whatever whatever boyfriend is taking that person on has now got a real load on its hands because they don't have boundaries and they're going to latch onto them. You know the way they were. You know and and be. You know, anything that starts off really fast can end really fast, too. So you're going to get that intensity instead of you. But when I talk about competing and comparing, what we do in our female-to-female friendships, um, and I, and I apologize for any kind of gender pronoun issues here, but, you know, I'm, talking, I'm just doing this for the sake of time and for the sake of, you know, keeping myself organized here. So when we're talking about these, these platonic friendships, um... A lot of times, there's a certain. It's just like um, ranges of energy in a romantic relationship. There's certain expectation of a level, right? So once when one person outpaces the other person, or starts to look like they're moving in another direction, silently, a lot of times, what you're going to get is, oh man, you know, I wish that was me. Oh, I really wish that was me. She's got, you know, she's going to be dating and she's going to leave me. So then, what do you get? You get instead of getting that big exciting. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy for you. You met the guy for dreams, oh my goodness, you get, Oh, well, that's nice, you know, okay, well I have to go. I have, you know, I have to go walk my floor, you know, and you're like what what happened? You know, I thought we've been talking about like this kind of thing, we're doing all these different, you know, dating things together and now all of a sudden, you know, she doesn't want to know from it. and that's a comparing and competing type of situation. You have, you know, or you know, a little bit of envy, a little bit of jealousy. And that has to be metabolized in the friendship. If it's not, in some way, shape or form metabolized, meaning, you know, sort of folded in where you can talk about it or um, you know, where the person who's getting a new boyfriend is sensitive and the one who is sensitive to the feelings of the other one and the other one isn't comparing and competing to the point where, you know, that being a killjoy to the other person's good fortune if if you don't, you know, take some time to manage that, that's when this, you start to get that negative drag in your friendships and it starts to then you get the passive-aggressive stuff, right? You get those layers of passive-aggressive. And all of this can have a serious effect on your ability to manifest the things that you're looking for. So if you are a light worker, which I know most of you are who are listening on, on into this show, um, I venture to say all of you, When you are thinking about, when you're doing your manifesting work, you're coming up with an idea for, um, you know, what you want, whatever that is. One of the most important things you can do, and you can hear this from any major uh, spiritual leader, prosperity consciousness, uh, leader, new thought leader, whatever you know the words are. Catherine Pond. even in the Bible, believe it or not. And I was actually going to try to look up the scripture for that, but I didn't didn't get a chance to. But it is in the Bible as well because I've actually heard Joel Olstein talk about this as well. Across all of the different religions, even in the in the uh, Kabbalah, across all of the different religions, they always say when you have a desire, you need to keep it to yourself. You need to not tell everyone that you have this desire. When I saw somebody put their vision board up on Facebook, and I said, "Oh man, what a mistake!" And, you know, they are trying to Instagram their vision board. And, oh, I'm going to get this, and I'm going to get that, and I have, you know, or they Instagram like a picture of a car and a this and all these things. And because we're all interconnected, and our energy is all interconnected with each other. Someone else's negative thoughts about what you desire can absolutely put a negative drag on what it is you're trying to create, okay? That absolutely can do it. So you want to have your own inner sanctum, your inner sanctuary that you keep stuff to yourself. I, my friend and I were talking about this because I was telling her about the show last night. and We were talking about this and I said, you know, um, it, it, when you're manifesting, one of the big keys, the tools of working on, a, a, you know, a particular vision or something that you're really desiring and you're trying to create is to be very emotional about it, right? To get really excited and amped up and act as, you know, not active, but become the version of you that already has that. So the version of you who's already a successful nurse or, you know, who's already in this beautiful, blissful marriage or who's already, you know, the perfect, you know, body weight or whatever, you go into that space, you do that visioning, and you get the goosebumps. You're just so there. You're just in it. I know I go to the beach, and I just envision, you know, my house on the hill overlooking the beach, and I just, I can feel myself, and I can feel a countertop. I can feel the light switch turn on, the light switch. I can feel, smell the food that I'm cooking, you know, the whole thing. And you get that amped up, you become so emotional. It, It feels so good. And the first thing you want to do is you want to share that with somebody. You want somebody, you want to be able to say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. I really, it was like, I'm there. And you want to go and you want to tell somebody, oh, my gosh. I know when I was looking at houses, I went to one of my friends and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just saw this amazing thing. This house was off the charts. And She says, oh, you're so ostentatious. Why do you always want such big houses? Well, what did that do? You know, it was a fire hose. It was just Now, you could say, oh, well, you should have more confidence and don't let that get you. Well, guess what? There is that point of impact. It's like somebody putting a knife in you, okay? And they put a knife in you and they twist it, and regardless of how you heal from it, it's giving your energy something to overcome. And that energy that you now have to shift from being in the moment of, you know, what where you're moving forward to, to I have to now overcome their negative comment, their jab, or their comparing and competing because the reason why they say, oh, you're so ostentatious, I would never want something like that is because maybe they don't think they could ever get it. And they're looking at you through self-colored glasses, You know, you hear rose. You know, she's looking at the situation with rose-colored glasses. She's looking at you. Everyone looks at you through their own self-colored glasses. The first thing someone you say, "I'm going to manifest this car, this house, or this career or this business." The very first thing a person said thinks to themselves is, "Could I do that? Would I want that? Can do? I think they could do that." And what's going to happen to me if they do that? And if they can't see themselves doing it, if they can't see, uh, you know, themselves giving themselves permission to think in that direction, they will, you know, and they don't want to take the time to do that or feel like they could never do it. It's It's human nature not to want you to do it too. So the first thing that comes out of their mouth is a criticism. It's a judgment. And so when you go and you express these things, you have to be very careful, okay? You you have to be very careful how you share. It's just like when you have a newborn baby and you don't want anyone near that baby without a mask on, without washing their hands. You know, you're keeping, that baby is too fresh to the world. Their immune system isn't strong enough to handle someone who's got the flu and the cold and this and that, Right? You know, as your kid gets older, you send them to school and they're exposed to every germ under the sun. You know, but your infant, your one-day-old infant, your two-day-old infant, your week-old infant, you're not letting them. You're not letting everybody breathe all over that baby. You know, so it's the same thing with the things that mean the most to you. And I'll tell you what: the friends who are the closest to you will have the biggest reaction. Why? Because they are the most Dependent on you staying the same because they lean into you. They're, you mean something to them. It's the same thing with family members. And you want to always, when you're coming up with new dreams and new desires and new hopes, you, you know, there's a very small handful of people, and you have to be very, very clean with this, who who can really be unadulterated. You know, this is a, probably not, real work unadulteratedly (laughs) but you know you get it uh happy for you you know that it can be kind of completely happy for you without any kind of negative drag i'm going to tell you who the people you can share your dreams with because there are people you can do it but the ones who are closest to you always pay attention are you know how is this going to how are they this other how is this other person going to perceive this and is this the time to bring this up to that person you know how they view their world okay so if you know this person pretty much reacts negatively to every kind of new idea that you have and a more of a critical kind of a judging type of a person then you don't want to bring your your deepest you know un- the underbelly of your soul kind of things to that person okay but where do you bring them because you definitely want to be able to express yourself I'm not saying that you don't express yourself and you just implode with excitement about what you're attempting to manifest but there's two types of people you want to bring it to. One is what I call the perfect stranger. And the perfect stranger is um, the person who has no emotional, financial, or personal investment in whether it happens for you or not. So when you bring this up to them, they're just like, how cool is that? Cool for you. Awesome. Go, go, go. Most of the time you'll meet these people in workshops. They're new acquaintances. They're people. Or you'll meet those people in different support groups, Um but they're not competing with you. They, there's no there's no vested interest in whether you get it or not. So they have the bandwidth. They're not looking at you through self-colored glasses. Okay? So that's one person, type of person you can talk to. The other type of person is somebody who's already done it. So, um, and done it with success. Because then there's, again, no comparing and competing. What, so, for instance, when I was riding horses, I had been riding for, you know, I don't know, I don't know how old am I. <laughs> I had, you know, 30 years of riding. I haven't ridden in a while, so I can't say I'm doing it right now. But um, I was in that that whole business, and I was competing um, quite a bit. And so I would put my horse at barns with Olympic trainers. Because when I would go to the barns with the local trainer, the one who was kind of at a lower level, not necessarily the lowest level, obviously, just a little bit, but who was like, you know, a few years ahead of me, or a few you know levels ahead of me, but hadn't been to the Olympics or anything huge, you know, that person would only let me get as far as it still made her feel comfortable to teach me. So no one will ever let you get further than they've gone themselves. So I learned very early on in my riding career that when I would stay with the local trainer, they might be cheaper and all that. I would kind of sort of level off at a certain level she wouldn't push me she wouldn't push me okay and then I said you know what I would go to these clinics they're like kind of learning like lessons with a different you know with a big trainer who comes in for the day or the weekend and you go bring your horse and you take a like a you know a one-off kind of a lesson with them and I would go to these clinics, and I'd get in they they would bring in these Olympic trainers, and that trainer would tell me so much stuff, and my horse would just boom, it would just all these things that weren't clicking for weeks, weeks and months and months and months they they wouldn't click, you know, and then with this this Olympic level trainer, she's like, "No, no no, and I remember this gal Ashley Nicole, she was on a Canadian Olympic team. I'll never forget this. And she takes Tucker, my horse, and she says, "This is what you need to see. His neck should be doing this, and his back should be doing that, and his shoulders. Look, when you're sitting on the horse, look where your shoulders are. Look where the. I mean, unbelievable. In, in 45 minutes, this horse was going like a million bucks, and it wasn't because she was sitting on him. She was teaching me the more advanced stuff. Why? Because she wasn't scaling herself down to keep me at a certain point." And I literally went back to my barn, gave notice, and moved within the next week so I could go train with this lady. And from that point on, I would not train with anybody who wasn't on the team or, you know, had been to at least the Pan Am Games. Why? Because now I was no threat to them. I wasn't anywhere near their level. So I got – they gave me the breath because when they when they've done it, when they've done the biggest stuff, especially when they've done it multiple times, the next big goal for them is how can I get my student to be going to the Olympics I've done it three times wouldn't it be a great coup to be able to train a horse and rider team up to that level right so there was no more threat so when you have there was no more comparing and competing they've already done it they've already done it when I want to when I'm working on my book and I talk to Sandra Ann Taylor she's a really dear friend known her for years, and she's with Hay House, and she's a New York Times bestselling author. The conversation with her, she's been with Hay House for 13, 14 years. The conversation with her about our editors and our photographers and, you know, whatever, publishers and all this and whatever, speaking games, that conversation is so expansive. Why? She's not the least upset by me. She's got, you know, 10 books. She, you know, it's no big deal. But you talk to somebody else, who hasn't gotten a publisher yet and they're like, well, that's really great, Mari. Oh, that's nice. Well, good for you. You know, And, and <laughs> because they're looking through self-colored glasses. So those, two, those are the two types of people that you want. That's who you can share your dreams with because they're going to say, yeah, of course, you know. Um, Go into my friend. She's a photographer. She's a magnificent home here in California. I mean, enormous, gorgeous home. When I was talking to her about some of my dreams about my new home, she, I never heard. Oh, you think too big. Oh, you want to, that's too much house. What do you need that for? You're single. You don't have kids. Why do you need all that? She was. She's, she's. 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 You know, just married with her husband. She doesn't have kids. She's got this huge house. She's creative. She's an artist, so of course. She wants the space. She entertains, et cetera, et cetera. I never was put down for my dreams with her. Like I am with other people who can't perceive themselves getting it, so then they don't want you to have it. So, yes, yes, yes. The answer is yes, your friends can severely slow down your manifesting. And, you know, when you expose your baby to a lot of germs, you know, I don't care how protective you are of that kid, if its immune system isn't ready to support itself, it's going to get that cold from somebody who is holding it. So, I want you to really. Protect your manifesting and do a good evaluation of what it is you're, um, you know, trying to accomplish. And is this the right type of person to share those real, you know, heartfelt dreams with? So you might say, well, you know, what do I do with my closest friends if I can't talk to them about my biggest dreams? What you do is you have compassion because they may not be at the same level as, as you are. You don't they don't have to buy into every single thing that you're doing. They have free will. Okay. And then you also scale, you know, the things that you can talk about. That you know, everybody has, you have those friends for a reason, right? So you scale yourself and you you say, Okay, the certain things oh absolutely I can I can go and have that conversation. But these really sacred things, your inner sanctum, you always want to keep that inner the close the things that are the most close to you, you know really close to the vest. And remember, the purer you keep your manifesting, your visions, the faster they come to fruition and then the success and the tangibleness of it proves itself out. So, the best way, like when I first came to California, my family, they weren't even talking to me. They just, they were, Pissed off. I mean, it was a war, all out war. And then here, we've a lot of healing, you know. And they see, oh my gosh, the book is coming out. Oh, she did do this. She did do that. She just said she was going to. It. Now it's all tense. She actually did move to California. They couldn't believe it. They didn't think I was going. I kept saying, I'm going. I'm going. And in uh, the day, I said, okay, I hired the moving down there they're like, what? It, it was like a, it was, <laughs> it was, like a tsunami. And and so, um, but success is the best teacher, right? So, and people have a, a very, and then all of a sudden, it's, it's you get, the respect comes when they see that tangible thing, it's come to fruition. Now they brag about, oh, she moved to California, look at all the stuff she's doing, she got the books, you know, it's amazing because two years ago, a totally different conversation, right? So you want, there's certain people that you have to just let the actual actualization of what you desire be, you know, lead the way. And then you go to the strangers or to the people who are already doing what you want to be doing to share, you know, kind of that more intimate uh, dream with. Okay? So, um, let's see. I see a lot of you are on the line, so let me just make sure that I covered what I wanted to... um, Okay, let me just talk about this one more th- this one more th- uh, next thing, and then we're going to go into some reading. So, when you're looking at your friends, and I mean God, you know this could be a whole course. When I do the self love project, I have a new class coming out in the next. I guess week and a half, two weeks. And when we do a self love project, that's there's gonna be a whole module on this in that in that course because I think this is so important is how do I love myself and keep my friends at the same time because a lot of times we have to do set boundaries. Right? And there's two things I wanted to talk about. One is setting boundaries, and the other one is breaking up with our friends. Because sometimes we do have to say, Okay, this is just not working. I want you to evaluate I want you to evaluate, especially because you're working on manifesting projects. I want you to evaluate how much negative drag you have in a day. What do I mean by negative drag? Call it mental clutter, emotional clutter. Now, of course, it's physical and energetic clutter, but right now I'm talking about mental and emotional clutter. A lot of that clutter happens from the company you keep. Okay, so are you, if you go and you look at your cross-section of friends, look at, at them, and I want you to be brutally honest with yourself. You don't have to go writing to them and say, I was listening to Mari, and she said, you know, get rid of you. <laughs> don't say that, all right? But what I want you to do is is really look at your cross-section of friends and say, is, is this friendship nourishing to me? And am I the best person I can be for that person? Because if you hear, if if I say a friend's name to you and you immediately say, oh, oh gosh, well, I'll tell you what I like about her She's good because she can always go to the movies when I want to, but it's exhausting, (laughs) you know. But at least I don't have to go to the movies by myself. That's, That's like having McDonald's, you know. Is that drag, is the drag. Negative drag, meaning like you know, like the a drag is like when you have the wind coming to the car and it slows the car down. So they have those air, those like fins on it, so the aerodynamics work better. So is the negative drag from what each friendship that you look at worth the reward? If You're going through if if you go to the movies with Janie, and you're and then you go out for dinner afterwards and that dinner conversation melts down into gossip and criticism and judgment and putting it down for all the things you like and all that. You didn't want to be lonely for the movie, but is that con- that conversation worth like how much do you have to overcome after you finish talking to Jamie? And is it worth it to to the loneliness feeling, and are you? And then you have to ask, am I really being a genuine friend? Because I'm kind of using her to keep from being lonely, but I really don't want to know anything that she's talking about. I don't really want to. I don't really want to be present for anything she has to say. So then, how good of a friend are you being, right? So when you look at your friendships and you evaluate, is this nourishing? Is this a, a friendship of convenience? Am, am I a housemate with this person, and I need the money? You know, am I? Uh, kind of trapped with this person and so have I entrapped myself with this particular person? And then, Are you really being an authentic friend or are you, you know, being codependent on each other? You know, and I've seen this, you know, over and over again. I had two friends and I'd go out with one and she'd talk horrible about the other and then i go out with the other and she talk horrible about the first one. And it just became, like, it was such a triumph, you know, that none of us are friends anymore because it was just too much you know, too much drag, too much, it just became to the point where it's like, I love margaritas, but I can't, I I just can't, this is just not, I walk away, and I feel like I need a drink to cover the conversation I just had over the drink, you know, like I can't, so you have to say, is it time, is it the healthiest, most compassionate thing for me to no longer be in this friendship? You know, if it was a boyfriend, generally, we don't have five and ten boyfriends, right? So we would say, okay, this one's not working. Okay, I'm done with that one. I'm going to go try date that one. We kind of try to keep it singular, you know. But with our friendships, we collect them. We never really break up. And, and then, then when we do, it's a big, you know, explosion, you know, or, the, or shutdown or an abandonment where you just stop talking to someone. It's like, she stopped talking to me. and I don't know why she's not talking to me, but she just put a wall up and she's done. So... You want to communicate with people, and you want to have respect. You want to evaluate, so it's evaluate, and then you want to sort of categorize in your head. What, you know, is you know, is this worth? Is this is this a friendship that's nourishing to me, and is this a friendship that I am nourishing back? You want to look at balance. Is this a balanced? interaction with the person, you know, we it, when when you think about your familial friends, we have highs and lows, right? There's times, like, I was in major crisis over the summer, major, 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 major crisis, and my familial friends were the ones who really helped me through. Because they can handle that, because they know a, a much longer span of my life and they know it's not normal for me. But your new friends maybe can't handle all of that, right, because they, it, they're too new. It's too much weight on them. They're too new. So, you want to say are you nourishing is this friendship nourishing to me and am i nourishing to it am i being honest because all everyone deserves an honest person everyone deserves a person who's there for the right reason okay and then you want to um if you have to break up with a friend a lot of times it's better to break up with a friend than to just try to keep collecting them and doing all kinds of passive aggressive things You know, you might want to just say listen you know what I really appreciate that we've been friends for this long, but it's just not working. And I don't think that I can really bring my best foot to the table. And this is, you know, you're not for that for me. And let's just give each other the space to have somebody else show up in our lives that is a better fit. And I wish you well and move on. You know, I mean, no one teaches us how to break up with friends. And especially when women go crazy. And they talk about each other and gossip, she said, and it was all her fault. And, we got, you know, and it, it just becomes so complicated. And guess what? If your manifesting is going slow, all that negative drag, especially if you have 10 friends and three of them are kind of like sister friends and then, you know, seven of them are not. <laughs> and, you, you, and each one you kind of have something to overcome. You know how much mental uh, clutter that is and emotional clutter So you're better off having a few high-quality nourishing friendships and relationships, kind of letting the others be, you know, acquaintanceships for, you know, activity type of thing. And when you're in those activities, you don't have to tell them every single thing. They don't have to know your manifesting projects. They don't have to know, you know, your latest results, your mammogram and all. They don't have to know everything. You know, they can be the person you're on the elliptical machine with. Keep it light. Enjoy yourself. Move on. You know, a lot of people they jump into a friendship and they and they just they just they just try to be intimate. Intimacy, you know, it, from it from the from the word hello, and intimacy happens over a long period of time where you both hit up against something and then and you get through it together in a positive way and you build up a trust that you can count on that person. And that's when they earn. The right to hear more of your your, your closer to the vest types of stories and and vice versa. You know, I've had people where they, like they say hello and then they're trying to be like boom, on you like to the like a like just just jump on you. You know, some I've seen much more of that now as my career's you know, my success levels going up. So it's like, there's an interesting shift that's happening because people hear what I do or somebody introduces me as so-and-so and or whatever, or radio show, or whatever, and, uh, and uh, the eyes get whoo! Oh, and she's, a, and when the people say, oh, this is Mari, and she's a psychic, and I'm like, oh God, don't ever introduce me as a psychic because it shuts down the whole room. Now nobody's paying attention to anybody else anymore because they want to know, is she going to see my dead grandmother? Is she going to, you know, answer this question? She, and they kind of, so I kind of, and then I just shrink. I just, <laughs> Like literally, like you know, kind of like just like the the Wicked Witch of the West is had water on. I just sort of just just literally shut myself down because I don't want to be that person in the room that you know it, it is is it, it becomes work, you know. So um, I hope this has helped you and to start to think about. I mean, this is a way big bigger topic than you know on a radio show, forty minutes on a radio show, but. I wanted to bring it up because when we start talking about the self-love project in the next week or so, this is part of that. Okay, part of your own self-care is who you surround yourself with. And quite frankly, it's really important for women to have a good set of girlfriends if they want a healthy relationship with their spouse. Even if, you know, same-sex spouse or or opposite-sex spouse. Because no spouse should take the load, everything. That's when you could get that codependency. So, starting to evaluate your platonic relationships and the quality of that, and what are you bringing to the table? Are you just looking at everybody to just give you advice and be your dumping ground? I had one friend say, Well, you're my counselor. You're my counselor. And I said, I'm not your counselor. She you got really, really upset and offended. But that wasn't my job. I'm not a therapist. You know, and if you are, if I am then, okay, You need to be a therapist, and then I can. But I'm not, still not going to do it because I know you too well, and I can't be objective. You know, and so, but there was boundaries, and we have to have boundaries. And if you're going and it on, you know, your friends, and you know who you are who's doing that, you need to back it up, and start to look at, you know, how what am I bringing to the table? Am I, you know, I've said to about men, they need to bring something more to the table than a knife and fork. You gotta bring a bag of groceries, bring some pots and pans, bring some dishes. You just can't come and eat all the time, right? So you wanna evaluate your friendships. How good of a friend have you been? And do you need to be that level of friend for every single person you meet? No, it's an earned, you know, uh, status to become intimately involved with a friend. I'm not talking about sexual intimacy. I'm just talking about you know building a, a, a that kind of relationship, that strong friendship. Each earn it with each other, right? And then that way you can you can ha- build that trust, and you can be able to say, you know what? You just slayed my dream. I just told you about something, and you just slayed it. You just slayed it. What are you what
1: are you doing?
2: And I said, oh my god, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. And then you can move on. Right. That's how you advance these friendships. All right. So, um, I'm going to stop there because I see there's so many of you on the lines, which is great. If you'd like to try to jump in on one of these calls, it's three four seven two one five nine four eight five. Okay. So if you have been waiting, I got to just get a drink of tea here. I'm getting e been talking for too long. If you have been waiting, please get back to your phone so that when we open the line, we don't miss you. And uh, Sam, the first person we are going to talk to is Jody in Portland. Hi, Jody. Hi. Hey. How are you? I
3: I I'm good, thank you. I was wondering if a friend I've been friends with for a few decades and I just saw her when I visited the Bay Area. And it's just always something I always have is resentment. And part of me is just feeling like I want to throw out friendships friendship because I'm bothered by all this stuff. And then I don't know, like, what's my part? I'm listening to what you're saying. It's really helpful, but I'm still, like, lacking clarity about it.
2: Are you on the speakerphone? Because I'm having a hard time understanding you. Can oh, I the, am. Can you put the phone closer to your face? Because it's really hard to he, understand, literally understand your words. Okay.
0: okay.
2: Can you hear me? Uh, oh, that's much better. Okay, start over, please. Because I, I was, you were going in and out. Okay.
3: There's a friendship I've had for a few decades, and I was just visiting mm-hmm. this friend in the Bay Area, and I I feel like the quality of the friendship has been bothering me for a long time and yeah. I I just don't have clarity and I feel like, like sometimes she just wants me to be captive, like her captive art audience and I feel that competition and comparing thing and there's just something I feel like she's not really on my side and right, she's going to dump me for like some other more interesting international person, like it's just something that makes me mad and I don't know to what, is, what to communicate with her or not, or whether how to move on or not, and I'm lacking
2: clarity about that, but full of <laughs> But it sounds like you have the clarity that you, she's not – you have to ask yourself, is she nourishing to you, or is she like junk food, or is she kind of like – to me, she sounds like the kind of food you have an allergy to. Like, I know if I drink um, chai tea – like, if I drink dairy – my ankle swells, right. you know, I get congested, but it's so good, you know, kind of like you can have a little bit of it, but then you're not having anaphylactic shock, but your body feels kind of yucky afterwards, so why bother? And that's the kind of thing you need to look at, you know, is this nourishing to me? So clearly it's not. And are you holding on to her just because she's been around for a long time and you're afraid of the empty feeling that you might feel if she's not there? It's that, and also there's something
3: like I also I feel like I get from it, like, it's almost like this selfish thing that I'm getting, like, from this person's creativity also. It's like the parasite in me doesn't want to have, like, the host part gone, too. There's, like, something that's
2: not to help you out, yeah. too, I think. Right, right. And that's, you know, and that's what, probably what she's serving in your, in your life is for you to sort of sort this out you know, at the end of the day, the first thing that before, I, you know, when you're addicted, because a lot of times, and we didn't go into this, maybe we'll do a part two and talk about addictions with friends, but um, a lot of times we have like a slight addiction to our, to um, people as well. It's kind of like a food addiction mm. in the sense that, you know, you you crave the sugar, even though the, you've taught your body how to crave sugar, because you eat so much of it, but it's having an ill effect, but you're craving it, you know, kind of like when you get kids, yes. and that type of thing. And so, um, it, it, you can have the same kind of situation in, in when you're dealing with this type of friend. So, But in order to give up any addiction, it's really important to find the replacement because then the addiction loses its power, right? Right. So what I would suggest you do is don't worry so much about what you're going to do with her, but focus on what is it that you really need for you. And, and then you can start to ask questions, how can I find a healthy version of this? Like what is it that's really positive about her that you're sticking around? And, you know, if you're looking for creativity and creative inspiration, there's, you know, artist colonies. There's going to writer's retreats. One of the things I did when I was starting to write my book, I had, you know, one friend is like, oh, I'm going to write a book too. She wasn't even thinking about it, but she heard I was writing one said, oh, she had to write one. I went to a writer's retreat in Vermont, and I met complete strangers who we the most amazing role models and just so generous and we're still friends to the day. In fact, I dedicated, I did a dedication to them in my book, in the front part of my mm. book, because they were, they gave me permission to be a quote, real writer. Cause I was in the, like, I'm not a writer. I'm a marketer. You know, I don't, I don't know. And, you know, and they're yeah. writers, you know? And so, but I, I, I put myself in a different colony. So did I need to deal with my friend who was like copycatting? No, I didn't even address it with Tuesday. i and it with her. I just, removed myself and placed myself in a, an environment where I could get genuine nourishment from people, again, who were way further ahead than me, so there was no threat. They didn't know for me. They met me that weekend, so they didn't have any investment. She, my friend, who's been friends with me for a really long time, didn't want me to outpace her. She didn't want to be left yeah. behind. Right? Yeah. So I didn't need to deal with it because I found my feed because you're saying I need a new host, right? You need yeah. to go to an appropriate host. If there's somebody who's she, you're going to her for creativity on some level, she's feeling like she's being used, right? Because she, she knows, like, it, we all know that our, when we have an adversarial relationship, it's no fun for either person. She's conflicted uh, as yeah. well, right? Yeah. So what I would say is focus on... How you know, creating healthy new friendships and then evaluate where she's at because you may be able to kind of right. accept her where she is and just see right. she's been around for a really long time and, you know, she's just your curmudgeoning friend from, you know, wherever. <laughs> yeah, she's not, yeah. She, you don't have to lean into her for anything. And then, you right. know, it's amazing what happens when you start to get healthy friendships and appropriate relationships with people in various sectors of your life. You can yeah. really be accepting for letting people
3: be who they are. You don't need to change anybody. Oh, that's nice. I need to learn how to be a better friend, too. I feel like I lack those skills yeah. a lot as well. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, it's not a matter of lack. How many of us get taught any of this? Because we're so focused on find the husband or find the wife and be a good family member. But our friends, it's a complete free-for-all, you know. hmm Nobody's saying, you know, how many times did your mother sit you down and say, "Now I want you to cultivate really good girlfriends, and this is how you treat Mary Jane, and this is how you treat Samantha, and this is how you treat, uh, you know, Roberta."
0: Right.
2: No. but they do say, "I want you yeah. to be able to cook for that guy, and I want to make sure that you, you know, you know, you gotta have sex with him three times a week to keep him happy, and you know, all you know, we get it, that kind of advice. <laughs> you know, mm. <laughs> so how how could you know? Yeah. You know, and that's why I wanted to bring it up. So I hope that's helped. I'm going to have to jump to the next person. but It is. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. And thanks for asking a topic centric question. I greatly appreciate that. Okay. Um, next, Sam, we have uh, Kim in Alberta. Hi, Kim.
4: Hopefully, she's still there. Yep. Yes, I am. Hi, Marie. Uh, hi. Thank you How so much. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for your call. This is, like, just so good. You're just so wise. Um oh, thank you. <laughs> well, you are. Um, the last caller kind of answered some of my questions, but um, I can ask another one. But, okay, good. Um, it's I just, um, I I feel like I really do everything I'm, you know, quote, supposed to do unquote, mm-hmm. when, I, when I manifest. But, right. I'm not doing so great at it. <clears throat> I'm just wondering mm-hmm. if you have any ideas. Well, what is it that you feel you're doing that
2: is is the right thing? And when you say not so great at it, what's not happening that you think should be?
4: I don't share it with other people. Um, okay. I, you know, I do get really clear on it and focus on it, and I um, have like an altar. And I don't visualize, so it's, that's hard for me. Um, uh-huh. so it's kind of, it takes a lot to get myself really excited about it, but I do have, you know, pictures up and things like that, so I can um, look at those and be excited. Um, I think, I'm
2: going to stop you there, because I think I can see the the one big um, kind of hole, the not visualizing part. If You know, a lot of times people think, cause visualizing... Um, put something off in the distance, and when you put something off in the distance, it literally kind of, the intention behind that is, I don't already have it. I don't have it yet. So when you're saying, I will have something, you're basically commanding the universe, you're saying, I don't have it yet, right? So the the visualizing isn't as necessary, isn't particularly necessary as you becoming that being that already has it. So it's a state. So there's a state of mind that you would have, let's say, if you're a multimillionaire. millionaire that, That's a state. And then there's a state of mind if you don't have any money, right? That's so the state of being homeless. And then there's a the state of being in love. And there's a the state of being a homeowner. And there's a the state of being a you know owner of a nice car. These are all states. There's a state of mind that you have when you're are you know in your dream home. Now that state of mind actually is not particularly heightened. You're not like walking around the house, oh my God, touching the walls. This is my dream home. Like some people visualize it. They're touching the walls and they're they're kissing the granite and they're petting the, you know, the windows and the... the That's saying I don't have it yet because that's not how you would be if you actually lived there. You know, it becomes very neutral and very kind of normalized when you're actually in it. So what you want to do in your your manifesting work is you want to close your eyes And you want to literally transfer yourself into that state. Not visualize it like it's on a movie, but you want to become that. So, like, you're sitting in your chair, you close your eyes, and instead of visioning yourself, you're now sitting, let's say you want a new house. Instead of visioning yourself, you know, in a movie, in this new house, you literally, you have your hands on the arms of your chair in your current, you know, place, you close your eyes, and now that chair is in that new house. How do you feel? And that's the point. It's how do you feel? You have to be in the state, okay? And 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 that's different than projecting yourself out into a visioning process. Do you see the difference, the distinction? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. That's going to change everything uh-huh. because it. That's when you start to get the goosebumps because you become physiologically. In alignment with being it. And what people forget about manifesting, and this is like more advanced, I so teach us in all my advanced classes and my mentorship programs. Manifesting is not about willing something to yourself or projecting out in the universe and then hoping that some big being drops it on our heads or somehow it shows up in our life. Manifesting is literally shifting into the frequency of. The version of you that already has it. There is no such thing as linear time. It's a parallel. We're working in parallel. So there is a version of you that already has that house or whatever it is you're trying to manifest, right? You literally, when you go into the state, you are literally shifting into the parallel dimension of of the version of you that's already there. Very different than visualizing, which is one of the reasons because you're very advanced. You don't real you may not even realize it. But the reason why you have provisioning problems because that ancient part of you that know already knows how to do this knows that that's not really what you need to do.
0: Hmm.
2: Okay? So yeah. I want you to just... I'm going to have to jump to the next person, but I want you to... In your next round of your manifesting work, I want you to just sit in your chair and I want you to just feel yourself become... Like, you can even envision moving into it, like, walking through a veil, and now you're already in that space. And take on, and then feel how that version of Kim that's in it, that has it already. Because you do. There's no linear time. And that's literally the collapsing of time. This is why, when you get really advanced, your manifestations can happen almost instantaneously. Because you literally, when you understand that you're switching dimensions, you literally cross that veil into that dimension where everything is the same except you have that museum. So wow. your friends don't change, or you, you know, boom, oh, and yes. you're there. That's what your plan is. Does that, that make
4: sense? Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. You, yes, got, it. It does. Yeah, you got it. Thank you. you. Oh, head. you explained it so well. Thank <laughs> you so much. Good. I'm so glad. All right.
2: Have a great night. Okay. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. We just hit the end of the show. Oh my gosh! Okay, well, I'm gonna to have to sign off because Sam's gonna tell me if I go over because I've been going over the last few weeks. But we'll let's see if we can do um, a part two of this show because I think this is this is actually good. Um, so, and I just wanted to also let you know that I am now doing my last round of Akashic record readings, okay? And we are more than halfway sold out of these appointments. This is going to be in the last round for 2015. The last round of 2015 prices. Last, last, last. And I don't know that I'll be able to do a whole lot of readings next year just because of the way all the scheduling and everything is going. But this is it for for this year and these prices. So if you'd like one of those readings, please make sure to check your inbox. Make sure you're on our email list. We sent out. It's on the bottom of the sheet that we the email that we sent out today for sh- for the show. Um, and if you're not on our email list, make sure you are. You can go to aha um and sign up and you'll get the notice. But I would love to have you and we can get a lot more into this stuff um, there. So we will see you back here at the same time, same place next week. I'll end with my motto, which is you truly can have exactly what you want. You absolutely deserve it too. And in this new energy, anything is possible. Take care, everybody. Have a great week.
1: You've been listening to the AHA Moments Radio Show with your host, Mari. Be sure to visit her blog and website at www.ahamomentsinc.com. That's A-H-A, moments with an S, inc.com. Also join Mari on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Inc. and Twitter at twitter.com slash ahamoments. We can't wait to see you there.